Let me ask you this question. You open to a child as young as 12 or 13 getting weight loss surgery or drugs to lose weight? Because that appears to be the newest recommendation coming out of the American Academy of Pediatrics, which has now updated its childhood obesity guidelines for the first time in 15 years. And they say that children struggling with obesity should be treated early and aggressively, including medications for kids as young as 12, and surgery for those as young as 13. And yes, the front line they suggest should be, you know, behavioral and eating changes, but that parents should not wait. And I think a lot of parents would be shocked by these guidelines because they seem rather extreme. And then there is always the concern that it could be overprescribed and become a norm. I want to bring in Dr. Dina Kulik to this conversation, a pediatrician and founder and CEO of Kid Crew Medical. Thanks so much, doctor, for joining us. You're welcome. Maybe I'm reading this wrong, but what was your takeaway when you when you heard this particular change to the guidelines? Certainly a big change uh, from what we're used to. I think as long as I've been a pediatrician, the focus has always been on lifestyle modification and counseling and behavioral management. And those things are still very important, making sure that kids are getting well-rounded meals and avoiding snacking and, you know, certainly high caloric foods that don't provide much nutritional value, moving our bodies more, minimizing screen time, and really importantly, getting the whole family involved in that because many um, kids are more active and eat better meals when their parents and other people in the family are eating and living the same way. That has been the dogma forever and still very important for sure. But as we have this rising epidemic of obesity and importantly, the very many potential medical complications of obesity, things like type 2 diabetes, high blood Mm -hmm. pressure, high lipids, heart disease, as we're seeing these becoming so much more prevalent, particularly in the States, but in Canada as well, that's why these guidelines have changed to say, you know, this lifestyle modification piece is important, but often isn't enough. And therefore, we need to be more aggressive because it will help to prevent these long-term, very significant life-changing and life-shortening illnesses like diabetes and high blood pressure. And correct me where I'm wrong. I mean, I mean, yes, obesity is a problem. I mean, you look at the numbers in the United States, it's 15 to 16 million kids who are obese. Um, and, and we've got obesity problems in this country too. But we didn't always have this. I mean, when we were younger, we were outside. We were not eating processed foods the way we are. Uh, we weren't seeing these massive proportions on plates. Uh, there was a different way of thinking about activity um, and eating than there is today. I agree with you. I think many kids are very sedentary. Many adults are similarly sedentary. We have screens all around us, right? Like when I came home from school when I was a kid, we had a TV. That that was the option. I didn't have an iPad or a phone in my room to watch endless amounts of streaming of anything I wanted to see at any given moment. So the world has changed in that way. And certainly COVID highlighted that. Kids became much less active in many ways, much more sedentary. And you're right, food has become less nutritious in many ways and much bigger volumes of food. But I guess the recommendation over the years has been, you know, eat less, move more, less screen time. And yet we still have this very increasing, rapidly evolving challenge with obesity. So the researchers and the very many experts looking at this are saying, well, the advice alone isn't enough. Things are getting worse. It becomes obviously much, much more expensive for healthcare 
systems as well as we're battling these typically typical illnesses that affect older people that are now really challenging children as well, how is this sustainable? And so that's why they're looking at these other options, which have very good evidence and safety around them, truly. These new medications have been very well studied and have very mild, mild side effects. And weight loss surgery, though that seems very intense, mm. is actually much more effective in adult populations in keeping the weight down and minimizing the burden of these illnesses in very long-term great studies than does simple lifestyle modification recommendations. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to downplay that there will be some kids who, who do have an obesity issue and it is a disease and they can't control it. But there will be great numbers of of those kids that, that they cite in their in their, um, you know, their statistics doctor who, if you just could change their minds and the way that they live and get them more active and change the way people think about food parents and that they could actually solve this. And so I think the concern becomes, well, you don't want to make this the norm where and, and it could be you will always find someone who will that will be their first go to prescription. Here's the pill. Here's the surgery. When what I think we really need to do is get back to cleaner eating and getting kids back into activity. I mean, they were locked down for two years. The damage done is, is really an incalculable. Uh, but but again, um, I would be concerned that this is the go-to where it's just always easy. Here's the quick fix, the quick fix without solving the root of the problem. Yeah, I, I hear your concern for sure. That being said, in adult populations anyway, weight loss surgery is very significant. People undergo usually two years of therapy, working with dietitians, working on the psychological and mental health aspects of obesity. And I think importantly, um, if the focus should not just be on if you can just control yourself, because there's a very, very strong biologic and like nature versus nurture component to obesity. Many, many children and adults could try all they want to lose weight and have much more challenges than other people. And that's related to hormones and genetics and biology. So it's not as simple as, well, everyone should be able to be slim that isn't mm. the case. In many cases, there's very good evidence that biology has a very large role. Yeah, I mean, but do you see this coming here? Because generally speaking, what happens to our neighbor tends to grab, you know, come up our way. And so do you see this becoming part of our guidelines? Um, because frankly, we don't have the hospital capacity, the healthcare capacity to be all of a sudden doing a lot of surgeries on younger kids. Um, uh, and I mean, the, the, the medication itself is actually quite expensive. And so there'd be a lot of people who would not be able to afford it. Yeah, I think the, the standard of care is going to remain the lifestyle modification. You know, there's certainly programs in my own clinic as well, but also in other hospital settings that are made to provide multidisciplinary care to children that have obesity, working with dietitians and exercise physiologists and the like to help reduce the burden of obesity. These are still going to exist. They, I think they always will because there's a strong piece of that. Even if you have weight loss surgery, you can still push that and you can still... Um, you could still be obese. Many people, unfortunately, um, still have trouble with obesity even after these surgeries and the medication as well. There are strong, you know, psychological and mental health components to obesity. It's not just, you know, how much you're eating and how much you're exercising. So I think these components will always be important. The question is, would adding these other options like medication, like surgery, could that help the many, many children that are facing obesity? And certainly, if you're a 13-year-old and you're morbidly obese, the likelihood that you're going to be anything other than morbidly obese as an adult is remarkably small. 
Mm -hmm. So we can help these children as much as we can with lifestyle modification, but statistically, they're still very likely to battle morbid obesity into their adulthood. And these kids have a far shorter lifespan, right? Their their risk of these very severe illnesses very early on. When do you, um, as far as, I mean, in, in your clinic, as far as a pediatrician, when do you start those conversations with parents? I mean, ideally, you would start at the beginning where you're just fi- feeding your child clean food. You get them in those habits really, really early, and you teach those habits young and early. Not everyone can do it, though, because good quality food is often expensive. It's certainly, if your cost of living have issues like we are now where you're lower income, you can't afford all the healthy foods, and certainly these days, a lot of people can't. When are you having these conversations with parents, and when should those conversations and practices start? I think from from newborn age, I think that's very important. I have conversations about what my baby patients and older kid patients are eating every single visit, talking about, you know, eating the rainbow, talking about minimizing these highly caloric, nutrient-devoid foods early I think there's definitely a role for, you know, snack foods and junk food. I think these foods make us happy and they're used for celebration and that's very important, but minimizing them as a, you know, a daily or multiple time a day option from a very early age. We know very well from science that our hormones can be altered from a very young age. Young children, young babies that are obese, there is a change in their hormones that sometimes leave them unable to feel really very full. It can change your insulin sensitivity from a very young age such that obesity is much easier to attain. So it's important from the very beginning to try to appeal to families and ensure that they're eating the you know, cleanest, healthiest diet possible and lots of physical activity. And you're right. Some of these foods are very expensive and snack foods can be much cheaper. And so I think as a government, as a community, as a society, we need to think about how to make healthful foods more accessible to families, all families, and it shouldn't just be accessible to people that have more money. That simply isn't fair. Yeah, it's it's very tough. Uh, doctor, very much appreciate uh, the clarification, certainly your thoughts on this. Thank you. You're welcome. That is Dr. Dina Kulik, who's a pediatrician over at Kid Crew Medical. I think a lot of people would see these uh, kind of treatments as, as very severe, certainly because it wasn't a thing uh, when we were growing up. Uh, but when, you, when you're a mom or dad now and you're packing your kids' lunch, how many of you, if you're putting stuff in packages, whether it's um, granola bars and all this stuff, they're loaded with sugar. They are loaded, those snacks, with sugar. So my rule is always keep it clean. I, I try not to put anything in a package in my kids' lunch because I know that at least if it's grapes or fruits um, instead of like that cookie, whatever, in the package, he's going to get some nutrients. But the other stuff, some of the sugar, they say it's healthy. Some of the sugar is just crazy. Cereals, all those stuff loaded with sugars. There are things you can cut out um, that keep the calories and the sugar down. But it is tough. It is no question. Healthier food is more expensive.